All right, if you will bring your conversations to a close, I am so proud of you. You are like church ninjas. You made it on daylight savings, spring forward, lose an hour. If you have kids, it's spring break, either the front end or the back end. The weather is drizzly today, but you are here, and I am excited for what God is going to do in our midst. If, you, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name is Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch, and on behalf of our church family, if you're new with us, we are so glad that you're here. We pray that this time today would be an encouragement to you, would be an inspiration to you in your faith, would leave you feeling filled up for the week ahead. And if Antioch Dallas is your church home, it is a joy to get to be your pastor. And we are in week four of our series called Sons and Daughters. And we are in this series, we are focusing on as children of God, because Jesus adopts us into the family of God as children of God, how do we build healthier, more life-giving mindsets, more focused on Jesus, more focused on who he's made us to be, more focused on his kingdom. We're, we're renewing our minds as Ephesians 4 invites us to, as sons and daughters. And we've been renewing our mind on the character of God on who God is. We've been renewing our mind on who God has made us to be. And last week, we began the renewal process of renewing our minds around God's vision for the church. And if you think of our minds like dirt or, or land, right, the truths that we're unpacking from God's word are like compost. And just like compost renews the earth, we're taking the truth of God's word and we're letting it dwell on our minds and renew us. So on Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Ephesians. So if you brought your Bibles, you want to go ahead and get Ephesians out. And then we're encouraging everyone to take the compost of God's word and apply it to your minds to build that healthier mindset through our renewed mind guide. Many of you have picked one of these up. If you haven't, you can get one on your way out or you can download it from our website, but it walks you through a little seven-minute process that you can do each day to take the renewing power of God's word and apply it to your mind to build a healthier, more life-giving mindset. This week, uh, we are going to continue looking at God's vision for the church. And last week I shared with you that we as sons and daughters, that we need to be renewed in our minds around God's vision for the church for three important reasons. The first was the cost of the counterfeits, that there are many counterfeit or corrupted expressions of Jesus, of Christian leaders, of the church that have done incredible amounts of damage in people's lives in the name of Christ. And the only way that we're going to avoid the counterfeits is by knowing the marks of the real thing. Yeah. The second reason why we need to be renewed is because of the potential of the pure. If we can know the potential of what God sees in the church, we can avoid the pain and the cost of the counterfeits, and we can step into what God wants to do through the church. And last week, the Apostle Paul walked us into the church as a new humanity that Jesus has come and he has broken down dividing walls that exist between us and he's brought us together as a new humanity. It was really cool. Last week, someone after the service said, you know, I'm from a, a, a country where there are not a lot of Christians and I've recently come to faith and, you know, I've always kind of felt like I need to be on the outskirts, like I'm kind of behind that dividing wall that you talked about. 
But when we saw that Christ broke down the dividing wall, I see that I'm a son or daughter, like I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm with the people of God. That's amazing, right? Dividing walls being broken down. God's building a new humanity in the church. We saw that the church is to be a colony of heaven, that our culture is not to be the culture of maybe what we grew up in or what everyone around us is doing, but it's to be defined by who God is and by his kingdom. We're to be a different kind of people. We're to be a spiritual family, the household of God. God has made us sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, and we're to live in that type of way. We're to be a temple where the presence of God dwells on earth. That's the potential of the church. And we saw last week, third reason that we need to be renewed is because Jesus himself is really into the church. That Jesus started the church. He thought up the church. He gave his life for the church. He's returning for the church. He's so bonded himself to the church that in the book of Acts, when, when people were persecuting Christians, when people were persecuting the church, Jesus showed up and said, why are you persecuting me? That's how much connection he feels with the church. So if we love Jesus, which I know you do, especially if you're here this morning on spring forward morning, you love Jesus. We want to be with Jesus. Jesus is going to be in the church. And so whether you're here uh, in our sanctuary, you're worshiping with us online, we're going to keep going in the book of Ephesians. So if you can open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians three today. And if you take out some notes, I'd encourage you to take notes on what I believe God wants to speak to you today. As we're going there, I want to ask you a question. Have you thought about if your house or apartment ever caught on fire, what are the things that you would grab that you'd want to make sure, man, I want to make sure I get this out of my house or out of my apartment? Just think about that for yourself. I've thought about that for our church building. And I want to show you uh, some of my favorite things in our church sanctuary, in our church building that you may not have seen. But if there was a fire in here, of course, if there were people, I would try and help people get out. Assuming it was just me, these would be things that I would run to. Water, that would be a good answer of what to go and get. So i got some friends who are gonna bring forward a couple of my favorite things. Awesome. Thank you, Quentin. Let's see. I think if you should put it right there. Yep. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Now. Let's see if we got the hands. Oh, we got to turn the hands around. This is going to confuse everybody. These are in our prayer room. And these are some of my favorite things in the church. If there was a fire in here, I would be like, I've got to get those paintings out of here. And I want to tell you a little bit of the story behind the paintings. Uh, there was a girl who used to be a part of our church here named Ashley. 
Uh, she was an incredible part of our church for a number of years. Eventually, she felt God calling her to go out to the nations. We sent her out as a church planter. Uh, we love Ashley, and Ashley was a very talented artist. And I talked to her about doing some paintings for the church, and this is what she uh, came up with. And what you may not be able to see from where you are is at the, on the, the base coat of the paintings, she wrote in silver kind of, I guess, marker or paint, uh, she wrote different names or adjectives describing Jesus. So I can see on this one, he's the majestic one. Uh, he is the one that existed from the beginning. He is true. He is compassionate. He, she wrote all these different names of Jesus as the base coat on the paint, on the painting. And then she prayed over this painting that when people saw these paintings, that they would be impacted by who God is, that they would experience in a personal way a revelation of God's goodness, his kindness, his love, his mercy, his justice, that it wouldn't just be a painting that you see, but it would almost be a spiritual experience. And then she painted this one where Jesus is holding living water and it's flowing from his hand like John talks about. Here is uh, her perspective of what Jesus looking at us. And I can just sit and look at this one for a long time. It's captivating. And this one over here is Jesus' hand. And if you'll notice, there's a scar in his hand from where the nails went through and she painted gold around it to talk about the value of his sacrifice. I love these paintings. I love these paintings, and she painted them to show forth the glory and the majesty and the beauty of Jesus. If there was a fire, I'm grabbing these babies and trying to get out of here with them. I love them. And today, I want to share with you the big idea is that God is an artist, so many of us are drawn to art, or you might be artistic, and I believe that is a reflection of your creator. God is an artist. And what we're going to see in our passage today as we continue to renew our minds around the church is we're going to see that God, his desire for the church is that we would be a canvas like this through which he painted and displayed his glory his majesty, and his goodness to the entire cosmos. And that's the big idea that I want you to walk away with. So if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. If you don't get anything else, get this. The local church, churches like ours, the local church is the canvas through which God wants to display his wisdom, his glory, and his majesty to the entire cosmos. So don't lose heart. I'm going to say that again because this is powerful and we're going to see it in God's word in just a moment. The local church, not the building, not the programs, but the people, the local church, the people of God is the canvas through which God wants to display his wisdom, his glory, and his majesty to the entire cosmos. So don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. And that's what we're going to see today. So starting out in Ephesians chapter four, Paul continues on and he says this, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, 
the prisoner of Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, I want to let you know right here, you'll see on the screen, there's a little dash. There might be a little dash in your Bible. It's trying to tell you that Paul is about to take a big detour. He's going one direction, and then I think he's just caught up in God's heart and God's vision for the church, and so he doesn't go as planned. How many of you have ever followed someone when you're trying to drive someplace and you're following them and they know where they're going, but they may take a turn off and just lose you, right? And if you don't have your phone, it's died or you don't have it with you, you're, you're lost, right? It'd be easy to get lost on this passage of scripture. It'd be easy to get lost. So I just want to make sure that you, you see the detour that's coming, that you don't miss the turn, you're not like one of those people on 635 or 75, Lord bless you, who you're in the left lane and you realize that your exit is about to pass and you cut all the way over to try and make it. Just go on to the next exit. It'll work out, I promise. Right? You don't, there we go. I got a wave offering in the middle. There we go. Woke everybody up this morning, right? I don't want you to be one of those people that's like, whoa, I didn't get where he's going. He's going to make a turn and then he'll come back in just a moment. So Ephesians 4, he's turning And he says this, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. So he makes the detour and he starts talking about the administration of God's grace. Now question for you, when you hear the word administration, what do you think of? When I hear it, I think of, oh, that sounds really boring. That sounds like an exciting spring break trip to Staples to look around the office supply center. When Paul uses the word administration, he's not thinking about what size paper clips are we going to have in the office. He's using it more in the sense we use presidential administration, the leadership of God, the leadership of God. You've heard about the leadership of God's grace that was given to me for you, essentially that Paul had been given an assignment by God. God, as the leader over all, had given Paul an assignment by his grace that was given to Paul for the Gentiles. He says this, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. Now, you might be wondering, why in the world is Paul telling them this? Like, why is he talking about this administration, this assignment that had been given to him? Because he wants them to see that the assignment given to him has a connection to the church at Ephesus, to their assignment. And the reason why you and I need to read this today and to reflect on this today is the assignment that God had given to Paul, that connected to the assignment that God had given to the church at Ephesus, connects to our assignment, connects to our purpose in God's plan. How many of you know that our church has a purpose in God's eternal plan? That's what we're gonna see today. God wants to use us and paint on us like a canvas to show off his glory, and we wanna see that. And Paul is trying to help this church at Ephesus see, hey, you know that God has chosen me. You know that God has worked powerfully through me. You know that God has given me this assignment to make known to you. He goes on, in reading this, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. 
This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, shares together in the promise in Christ. That's what we covered last week. Paul is reminding them, hey, you know about, I've already told you about the assignment that's been given to me to make known what God is doing that he's bringing Jew and Gentile together and he's making a new humanity. That's which we covered last week. But then he keeps going. And he says, I, in verse seven, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. Catch this. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Now, when I read that phrase, the boundless riches of Christ, the boundless riches of Christ, I almost went on a sermon detour this morning. Paul's on a detour. I almost went on a sermon detour because I just get caught up in that phrase. That is a phrase I have prayed over myself. I can't tell you how many times because I'm just enamored with it. Interesting fact for you, Google uh, has indexed only an estimated 4% of the information that exists on the internet, and that adds up to 35 trillion web pages. So Google and its index, right, it crawls through and stores information on 35 trillion web pages. That's only 4% of the entire internet, right? Google is trying to figure out how to search the boundless endless limits of the internet. And one day they'll figure that out. But what Paul is saying right here is that there is not a limit to the riches that are in Christ. And God had, been, had given him an assignment to preach to this church at Ephesus, to make known to them the boundless riches of Jesus. And I'll tell you, if you are a part of this church, my hope and prayer for you more than anything is it through being a part of our church that you would experience and see and grow in knowing the boundless riches of Christ? That's our number one goal for you. Number one goal as a church. Back off my detour, back on Paul's detour. And he said to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. So when he's talking about, I, I've got an assignment, Paul, I'm to preach the boundless riches of Jesus. And I'm to make known the mystery of Christ. And he's already referenced this twice. And I just want to do a little Bible study with you so you catch what he's talking about with mystery. And then we'll get to his big point. Ephesians 1, he uses the term mystery in verse 10. And he says, with all wisdom and understanding, God made known this mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring to unity all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So first aspect of this mystery that Paul has been given to proclaim is that in Jesus, God is going to bring everything. Things on earth, things in heaven, things visible, things invisible. He's going to bring everything under the leadership of Christ. Now that's really good news. That means that when we look to the future, no matter what the news headlines might say, no matter what fear might be put through, legitimate or illegitimate, put through all the news that swirls around us, we can know with certainty that God is directing history unto the leadership of Jesus. Yeah. 
That one day everything on earth and in heaven will be brought under the leadership of Jesus. So you and I can take heart. Second aspect of the mystery in verse in chapter three. He says, this mystery is through the gospel that the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So not only is God bringing everything under the leadership of Jesus, but he has begun that in the church, that he's bringing Jew and Gentile together, and that we are to be this church at Ephesus and us today, a foretaste of what God is going to do in the future and bring everything under the leadership of Jesus. Now, you might be asking, well, well, who cares? Like, okay, that's, that's not. But listen, think about that for a moment. That is the big picture of what God is doing in our world. And I, for one, want to know what God is doing. And I, for one, want to be a part of that. And I bet you do too. So when we look at that, it's like, wow. I, you probably haven't thought about that this week. You probably haven't thought about God's eternal plan to bring everything under the leadership of Jesus, but I want to remind you, because this is the big idea that gives context to all of our lives and decisions, is that God is taking history in that direction, and he's starting it with the church. Now, verse 10, and this is the one I want to encourage you to highlight, underline, put some stars, some hearts around it, whatever you do. This is where Paul connects his assignment He had received revelation from the Lord. He had made known that revelation to this church at Ephesus. He had made that known. That was his assignment. Now he's connecting his assignment to their assignment. He's not talking about himself anymore. He's talking about what does God have for them to do? They were aware Paul was a mighty man of God. He would preach. People would get saved. The dead would be raised. People would be healed. I mean, he was, it was clear. It was like, you are the man of God. God has chosen you and given you a purpose. That's awesome. But Paul is saying, no, no, no. I want you to see right now, I've been given an assignment and you as the church, you've been given an assignment. And here it is. God's intent, verse 10, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God's desire was Paul was supposed to preach the boundless riches of Christ in his generation and he started some churches. That was his assignment. The church, our assignment is to preach the boundless riches of Christ, to make known the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold means many-sided. It's like a diamond. There's just many facets to it. The wisdom, the majesty, the beauty, the justice, the mercy, the kindness, the goodness, the, the truth of who God is. The assignment to the church was that we are called, that God wanted to paint on us like a canvas to display his manifold wisdom, not just to our neighbors, That's important. Jesus has called us to love our neighbors. God wants to show his goodness through us to our neighbors. That's why we're doing for the city. But this isn't limited to just our neighbors. Not just to their city. Not just to the city of Ephesus where they just show off and let their good works shine before men. That was important. But catch what he's saying here. Their assignment was to display, to make known, to publish, to be the canvas that God painted on his goodness and majesty and wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. They have a cosmic assignment. That's how big it is. 
And it's not temporal. Paul's assignment was for a season. He lived and he died, right? But their assignment, there's an eternal purpose to it that's bigger than just a moment. Now, when we're talking about rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, you might be like, oh, what in the world, right? And I've actually covered this with you some before, but we'll just go through it again because this is a theme all throughout Ephesians. Most of this you probably already believe whether you have the right language for it, the biblical language for it or not. God created the world, everything physical, God created. And in creating a physical world, God God also created a spiritual world, a a seen world and an unseen world, right? Physical world, uh, physical people like you and me, unseen world or, or heavenly world is the biblical language, right? They're angels, they're demons, they're spiritual beings that are part of this unseen realm, God created them both. God created everything good. Just like there was rebellion among mankind, there was rebellion among the heavenly beings, the spiritual beings. They rebelled. You get devil, Satan, all that stuff, right? You probably all have a framework for this, but you probably don't think about it much. I don't think about it much, but here Paul's saying, just like there are rulers and authorities in our physical world, there's a mayor, there's a governor, there's a president. In their day, there were different rulers and authorities, Paul is saying in the spiritual realm, there are rulers and authorities and that God wanted to paint through the church, his glory, not just to the rulers and authorities in earthly realms, but it's so big. It's so majestic that he wants to display his glory to the rulers and authorities in the unseen heavenly realms to make known his wisdom. And you and I have a part to play in that assignment. That's amazing. That's what Paul wanted the church at Ephesus to get. That's why he's been talking about, hey, here's what God's done in me, because he wants to connect it to them. And he wants to help them see God's purpose for them, for their church. And I believe that as we read this and as we reflect on it, that we begin to see the Holy Spirit wants to take the combos of his word and apply it to our minds so that we see God's purpose for our church that we have a part to play in God publishing his glory to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose in Christ. So for them, what did this mean? You'll see in verse 13. He says, I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. So he knew he's in jail Right? He knew that they might be discouraged, that the church might be discouraged by the challenges that they were facing. This important leader to them has now been thrown in jail. Wait, I thought we were to be a part of God displaying his glory to the whole world and our leader is in, in jail? Right? And he knew they might be discouraged. That was their fight. And he said, I'm sharing this with you to remind you of God's eternal purpose. That's not set on whether Paul, whether I am in jail or not in jail. This is God's purpose. And I want you to remember it so that you're not discouraged. In the same way for our church, there are so many opportunities that we have had this year to be discouraged by suffering, by hardship, by uh, division, by strife in, around us, in our nation, all around us. We've had so many opportunities. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and to me today that we might remember our heavenly assignment, that we might remember God's eternal purpose, that he wants to display his manifold wisdom through you and me, 
Not just as individuals, that's true, but us together. This is a group project, right? He wants to display it to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, so we ought not be discouraged. When we go into worship here in just a moment, I want to remind you and encourage you and stir you up today to realize we're not just here singing some songs in a room to try and make each other feel good. No, we are engaging in an eternal purpose to declare God's manifold wisdom, not just to our city, but to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. As we worship their spiritual influence. So I want to awaken you from your slumber that I know the trials and the hardships of this last year can produce. But I want to encourage you today. We have an eternal purpose and we're stepping into that. When we give. Oh man, so many times when I give, I'm just like, okay, I know this is good. I know this is the right thing to do. But man, that money, I could use it on this or that. right? And I can get lost in it. But now I remember, no. When I give, I am sowing into an eternal purpose. I am sowing into the Jesus who saved me, who I'm so grateful for. I'm sowing into his name being made known in our city, in our nation, but in the entire cosmos as I give. My giving has spiritual significance. Life group. Sometimes we can go to life group and be like, oh, it's just another week at life group. I like this person. I don't like this person. I don't know if I should go. I'm kind of busy. I don't know. We can go like that. But what I want to remind you is that when you're showing up, you're not showing up to a meeting of 10 or 12 or 15 people in a house somewhere in Dallas. That's not the end of it. That is true. But you're showing up to so much more. You're showing up to be a canvas on which God displays his glory through the ways that you love one another, through the ways that you invest in one another, through the ways that you get behind this blessed thing and you partner with you. Be like, I'm going to learn how to listen to people. And your life group learns to listen. God is displaying his glory. It has eternal purpose. Hear me, church. Hear me. You have an eternal purpose. God wants to display his glory. When we serve, we're not just holding a door or watching some kids are going to pack some bags for a service project. Those are all things we're doing, right? But we are displaying the manifold wisdom of God to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. So when the children's ministry gets going in the next few months and they're saying, hey, we, we need people to come and serve. I want you to remember and not be like, well, maybe I don't know what's in it for me. I want you to realize you have an assignment. We have an assignment to make known the manifold wisdom of God to rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. So you're like, I'm in, I'm in. I want to be a part. I'm fired up. This is amazing. And I hope that today that you're being awakened from any place that you might be discouraged any place that you might be weary after this last year, any place where it might feel like it's tempting to go through the motions and do this or not do this. And this is really, really important what I'm about to say, particularly for our our young people, but also for our old people. Our world is a consumeristic world. I go to my favorite restaurant as long as they make the iced tea the way that I like it. When they stop making the iced tea that I like it, I'm going to go to a different restaurant and I'm not going to think twice about it. My gym, I go to my gym because they have a very cheap price. If they were to raise their price, I would most likely go to another gym because I'm, it's, it's what's in it 
for me. That's how we all work. That's how so many of our relationships are. I need to make sure that you see this from God's word, that our relationship with the church is not like those things. Our relationship with the church is not defined by our consumeristic mindsets. What's in it for me? God meets our needs. God meets our needs through his people, and that's awesome. But the basis of our relationship is not, is the service time convenient? Do I like the music? Do I like the preaching? Do I like the coffee? Do I like my life? No, no, no. That's not the basis of it. Jesus has called us into a different kind of relationship. It's not a relationship based on consumerism. It's a relationship about worship. He has saved us and he has brought us together, not primarily for me to focus on getting my needs met, but for me to enter into my eternal purpose and your eternal purpose of declaring and displaying his glory, his manifold wisdom. So when we're thinking about the church, when we're renewing our minds about the church, yes, our needs are important, but they're secondary. God is so good and he's brought you out of sin. He's saved you and he's called you into a worship relationship with him, right? We've come for a purpose bigger than our own lives. We've come to display and declare his glory through the way that we worship, through the way that we give through the way that we invest in one another, through the way that we serve and make disciples, that we might display his splendor here to our neighbors, here to our city, here to our nation, here to the nations, but even more than that, to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. So don't be discouraged. With that, I wanna invite you to stand. Now, we're gonna put this into practice. So just to coach you, This will be a time to take your hands out of your pockets. Let's get loose. Let's get our shoulders moving, right? We're going to worship the majestic Jesus. And we're gonna sing, and I hope I can hear you, but even more, I believe that we are singing and we are impacting spiritual realities. As I close, uh, we did uh, an, an encounter night for our discipleship school a few weeks ago. And a woman came uh, to, be, to pray with us from Antioch, Waco, and she is a prayer warrior. She spent much of her life uh, in East Asia making disciples and planting churches. She's widowed. She is a prayer warrior. And she came up to me on that encounter night and she said, Zach, I, I felt like the Lord showed me something for you and for y'all's church. I saw y'all's church as I was praying and I saw clouds over it. And I realized there might be some discouraging things that y'all have been through this year. But then I saw the clouds part and I was given insight. I could see up into the sky that there was an open sky above the clouds. And she said, I feel like I need to remind you, you have been through some trials. You have been through some clouds, but God has given your church an open heaven. So just keep pressing in. And as I was preparing this sermon, I I, I thought about that word. I was like, man, this is both not just God's word from scripture, but this is a timely word for us. So let's wake off our slumber this morning and let us worship the God who created us, who saved us, and whom all of history is headed toward. Jesus, we love you. You are awesome. God, I just wanna pray over every person here in our sanctuary. Every person watching this online, every person worshiping with us online, whether today or five years from now, 
God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want to break off spiritual slumber in Jesus' name. I want to break off discouragement in Jesus' name. I want to break off apathy in Jesus' name. There, there are things that the Holy Spirit is lifting. Some of you are like, I don't know what this guy is doing right now, but I want to tell you, there are things that the Holy Spirit wants to lift from you right now. Loads that he wants you to carry that you might not be discouraged. There's a lifting of the head. So many of us have had our heads bowed down by this year. By the events of this year have just made us weary. But the Holy Spirit today wants to lift your head. He wants to renew your strength, renew your spirit, renew our church. There are burdens lifting all around this room. There are burdens lifting all as those who are watching and worshiping with us online. There are burdens being lifted. Let's lift our heads and let's worship Jesus together.